The second reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Good morning, everyone. Grab yourself a seat. It's really good to see you. Happy New Year. I hope you've had a good uh, Christmas break if you've had some time off. I wonder if uh, you've got any particular hopes uh, or ambitions for this coming year. Uh, One of ours is that we'd finally be able to potty train our daughter Phoebe. Uh, We've been going since last May, and it feels like forever, but I think we're nearly there. Um, We've tried every different motivation under the sun. Uh, Encouragement, star charts, prizes. Um, We even got to the point in a moment of desperation probably where she was squatting on our favorite sofa or something like that, uh, where we said, Phoebe, you can have anything you want if you'll just go over to the potty. No. (laughs) Our uh, our oldest son, Ezra, um, his eyes are kind of popping out of his head. Phoebe, you could have anything. Ask for a massive Lego sports car. Uh, And then... No, again, it can be difficult to, uh, to motivate others, can't it? Uh, and to motivate ourselves. So let me ask you, uh, what's going to keep you going in the Christian life? What's going to motivate you this coming year? I don't know how you're feeling uh, as you start this year. Uh, maybe you're encouraged by a, a great Christmas season uh, where you fixed your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Uh, Or maybe you feel spiritually stagnant and you're struggling with ongoing sin. This passage is a a key point in the letter of Romans, uh, Paul's letter to the Roman church, uh, and it speaks into those things. Uh, We're starting a new series today, uh, which we're calling A Church's New Year Resolutions. Uh, And we're going to be working our way through uh, the fantastic chapter of Romans 12. So let's pray before we go any further. Father God, we thank you for the blessing of this new day and this new year. However we are feeling about the coming months, uh, whatever is on our minds, we pray that you would quieten our minds now and help us to sit under your life-giving words. Help us to listen to you And please change us by your spirit, uh, both individually and as a church family together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul is writing to the early church in Rome. Uh, It was a church made up of both uh, Jewish and Gentile, non-Jewish believers. And uh, they were committed, uh, but young Christians. And what does Paul want them to know and do uh, as he writes to them? Uh, We'll take a look at what he says to them uh, at the beginning of chapter 12 in verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Paul doesn't just give them a a polite request. Uh, He appeals to them. He urges them to do two things. 
uh, which we'll come to in a minute. Uh, but what is the motivation for doing those things? Uh, what is the motivation for Christian living? Paul says that he appeals to them because of the mercies of God. Some translations put it, I appeal to you in view of God's mercy. Paul is saying, God has been very good to us. Uh, We've jumped into the book of Romans uh, at chapter 12, uh, but for the first 11 chapters of Romans, uh, Paul has been unfolding the great mercies of God to the Roman church. The word mercy is the same word group as the verb have compassion. Uh, Paul has been showing them the, the mercies and the great compassion of God. He longs for them to understand and love the gospel. He spent 11 chapters bringing it home to them. You see, the gospel is God's mercy to us. Uh, We are undeserving sinners, and yet God sent his son to die for us so that we might be declared righteous before God by faith, uh, and given his life-giving spirit, uh, and made his children, brought into his family, uh, and be able to call him our heavenly father now and forever. And all that, uh, not from our own efforts, but because of God's great mercy and compassion. That's what we've been reminded of over Christmas, isn't it? That Jesus humbled himself and came down to save us. Uh, We've been brought from from death to life. I don't know if you ever uh, listened to the, uh, the BBC radio show Desert Island Discs. Uh, it's a bit of a classic. Uh, they interview someone about, about their life uh, and they have meaningful uh, songs uh, or music from them. Uh, and every now and again, uh, it comes up that someone had a point in their life where they thought that they weren't going to make it. Uh, maybe a serious illness uh, or a difficult or life-threatening situation. Uh, and they nearly always say that making it through that makes them thankful every day. Uh, It changes their daily perspective on things, and it motivates them. Uh, And the background music, so to speak, uh, for the the Christian life is that God has been merciful to us. Uh, We've been brought from death to life, uh, and we didn't just pull through. Uh, We were rescued by Jesus himself. He gave his life for us. That is the background music for the Christian life. I don't know what the, the past year has been like for you as you look back. Uh, we may have had dashed hopes or disappointments, uh, discouragement, worries, uh, or even the death of a loved one. And yet when we really grasp the gospel, we know that even though those things can be incredibly hard, God has shown us mercy and grace. Uh, that's, the, that's the background music to our lives. If we understood it fully, we would never tire of singing the song of God's grace and compassion. We'd be full of thankfulness. And wouldn't it be great to pray that for the coming year, for us as a church family, uh, that this would be a place with such an awareness of God's kindness that it sets the tone for everything here at St. Joseph's. Uh, Let's pray that we would be a church shaped by grace, Uh, so that we're full of thankfulness uh, rather than grumbling, Uh, so that we're distinctive and remarkable in the world around us, 
it will make us a church that can be a light to the world. Now, I'd love you to join me in praying that this year. Uh, and would you join me in striving for that personally this coming year? That might mean uh, setting your alarm a bit earlier from tomorrow and, and getting to bed on time uh, so that you can spend time in God's word uh, each morning and be reminded of his goodness to us each and every morning. Uh, I remember uh, Chris Redfern, who many of you will know, one of our mission partners, uh, saying in a sermon this time last year, I think it was, uh, we don't have to spend time with God each day. Uh, we get to spend time with him. And it's uh, amazing how much uh, letting that sink in can really change our attitude to our, uh, I've really found that over this past year. Uh, even the, the secular world is recognizing that having some quiet time and, medita- uh, time and meditation in the morning is good for you. Uh, but how much better spending it with our Heavenly Father? Striving to have that background music of God's mercy uh, might mean literally listening to music. Uh, last week, uh, Tom Smith really, unhelp- really helpfully unpacked Psalm 96 for us, and he said that, Uh, He is aiming to listen to a new song every day of 2023 uh, about God's greatness uh, and to use that to reflect on God's goodness to us. Or maybe you'd find it helpful to have a a set prayer that you pray each morning uh, or for your whole family to have one. Uh, That's what the great reformer uh, John Calvin used to do. Uh, And here are some of the words from his morning prayer up on the screen. Uh, He prayed... As I lay down in sleep and rose this morning only by your grace, keep me in a joyful, lively remembrance that whatever happens, I will someday know my final rising of the resurrection because Jesus Christ laid down in death for me and rose for my justification. That's a great prayer to pray each morning, isn't it? Uh, All those things I mentioned are are personal to us, uh, but let's not forget that we're to encourage one another together in this as well and make that a habit. Uh, That's one of the reasons to make it a priority to be here uh, on a Sunday uh, and maybe to meet together during the week in a small group. What habits do you need to try and establish this coming year so that you can remember and rejoice in God's mercy and compassion each day? both in terms of uh, personal habits and and doing that together. Before we move on, uh, let's just take a minute to to think about that and pray about that. And let me just give you a minute uh, to think, uh, what habits do you need to try and establish to help you remember and rejoice in God's mercy each day? Just take a minute in prayer now. Let me drag you back. Um, that's probably one to, to keep thinking about. Why not go home and have a think about that later on in the day uh, and maybe take some actions to help you do that. So Paul 
says to the Roman church, God has been very good to us. He spent 11 chapters bringing that home. And then he says, chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, do you see that word in verse 1 of chapter 12? Therefore, in view of God's mercy, because of all that God has done for us, I appeal to you, I urge you to do two things. Firstly, give yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, Paul writes, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, Paul uses temple terminology here from the Old Testament. Uh, And the picture he gives us is of a worshiper coming to the temple uh, with an offering to God. Some of the offerings in the Old Testament were were sin offerings uh, to shed blood and ask for forgiveness. Uh, But Jesus is our sin offering uh, once uh, and for all. Uh, And so we don't need to do that anymore. But the second kind of offering was a a whole burnt offering. Uh, Imagine you've got a flock of um, sheep or cows or pigs or something. uh, And you were to choose uh, one of your best animals, uh, a really good one uh, without blemish. uh, And you were to bring it to God and offer it to him. Uh, And it was to signify that... You, you wanted to give your best to God, uh, and not just the leftovers. Uh, animals are really expensive. Uh, apparently nowadays, uh, a cow can cost around a thousand pounds, or for a pedigree breeding cow, many times more than that, apparently. Uh, but this whole burnt offering uh, was to show that everything you had uh, was at God's disposal. Uh, you weren't to give the mange animal, uh, you were to give your best. Uh, And the animal was burnt, and it showed your devotion. Uh, And Paul is saying that the way that we worship now, uh, after Jesus, uh, the way we respond to God's compassion and mercy is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, to be fully at God's disposal, to be willing to obey him in every area of life. Uh, And Paul also conveys that sense of complete devotion here by encouraging the Roman church to offer their bodies. Uh, It would probably have been uh, a bit startling to the original readers. Uh, They were brought up to, and many of them believed that uh, um, uh, spirituality was all about your mind and your soul. But Paul is saying that God does not want purely inward uh, and abstract worship, uh, but practical and total worship worship. Uh, We're to use our bodies, uh, all of ourselves, in service of God. But it is to be a a living sacrifice. Uh, We're not to kill ourselves like those animals in the Old Testament. It needs to be sustainable. So what might it look like to be a living sacrifice? Uh, Well, what, what doesn't it look like? Our sin so often reveals itself through our bodies, doesn't it? Tongues which speak lies uh, or curse. Mouths which are full of grumbling. Feet which are swift to go the wrong way. Or eyes which covet or envy uh, or look away from God. But instead, we are to present our bodies to God. Uh, Back in chapter 6 of Romans, uh, which incidentally is the, the only other point where Paul encourages them Uh, to respond uh, to what he's saying uh, practically. Uh, He says this, 
Uh, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So presenting our bodies means offering every part of ourselves, uh, our feet to, to walk in God's paths, our tongues to bring healing and encouragement, uh, our hands to do even the most mundane tasks in the service of the Lord, our arms to embrace uh, the lonely or the discouraged, our eyes to look humbly and patiently towards God and be satisfied in him. We are to be daily giving over our lives and our bodies in obedience to God motivated by looking at his uh, great mercy and kindness to us, which we see as we stand at the foot of the cross and look at what Jesus did for us. And Paul writes, that, uh, that giving of ourselves is our spiritual worship. Uh, the word spiritual there in verse 1 uh, is literally the word logical. Uh, And it seems a better translation is that uh, giving ourselves fully is our rational or logical worship. Uh, When we have a a good view of God's mercy and we get it, uh, then giving ourselves fully uh, is the only rational response. And to give anything less would be irrational. One author writes, if what Jesus did does not move you or break the ice over your soul, you must ask yourself if you have understood the gospel. We're to be a church shaped by grace. I'm so thankful for the many ways that I see that we are a church shaped by grace. Uh, Like when I see someone uh, secure enough in God's grace to be honest about the things they're struggling with, Uh, Or when I see someone getting stuck in with the washing up downstairs in the kitchen, uh, or someone boldly sharing the gospel or inviting people along. Uh, It's such an encouragement. Uh, But I know that I'm a work in progress, uh, and the truth is that we all are. Uh, The fact is, if we're going to live this way, if we're going to live sacrificial lives, uh, then we need an overhaul. Uh, We need to be transformed. Uh, And that's what Paul says next. He says, in light of God's mercy, uh, be transformed and not conformed. Uh, Be transformed, not conformed. Uh, Do you see that in verse 2? Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you're a fan of uh, BBC Wildlife documentaries, uh, maybe with a a good David Attenborough commentary, uh, you'll have seen uh, one of these, uh, a chameleon. Uh, And chameleons blend in with their surroundings, don't they? Uh, uh, They're really good at just uh, blending in and looking like everything around them. But Paul is saying here, don't be chameleons. Don't be chameleons. Uh, Don't be conformed to the surrounding culture and everyone around you. Instead, be transformed by the Spirit and by God's words. Uh, as humans, we, uh, we always seem to imitate, don't we? 
Uh, we need something to copy. Uh, and ultimately, we'll either copy the world around us or we'll, be, we'll copy God's will and we'll be transformed by looking to Jesus and what he was like and is like. Uh, we'll be transformed into the image of Jesus as we see him in Scripture. Uh, and the words Paul uses uh, for transformation gives a sense of uh, continuing. Uh, we need to constantly not conform and be transformed. Uh, offering our, our bodies uh, is going to come from a changed mind, isn't it? Uh, it's in our minds uh, where we decide what to do. And so uh, we need our minds on fire with the truth about Jesus. Now that means having God's word dwell in us richly and allowing the spirit to, to reorientate our minds so that who Jesus is and what he did fires our imagination and shapes our minds. A transformed mind uh, means our thinking is turned upside down by grace. Uh, it means being a church where grace gets under our skin. As we learn to think of ourselves as men and women who owe everything to grace, it will lead us to seek to please our Heavenly Father uh, more than seeking to please those around us. Uh, and so not conform to the world. It will lead us to genuine love and goodness both in the church and overflowing to the world outside. Uh, the kindness of God will lead us to serve uh, one another and others, uh, even if they're hostile to us. Isn't that something worth praying for and pursuing for this coming year? Wouldn't you love to, to see that at St. Joseph's, for that to be a picture of us as a church family? Paul says, uh, that is what is acceptable uh, or pleasing to God, uh, verse 1. But here's the trap uh, that we mustn't slip into uh, as we look at this passage. We mustn't slip into the trap of legalism, thinking that we need to earn God's favor and salvation by giving ourselves. I know if we're trusting Jesus, uh, then God is pleased with us. Uh, when God sees uh, us as believers, uh, he sees Jesus and his perfect obedience. Uh, and so he says to us, as he says to Jesus, uh, with you, I am well pleased. We are his children by his grace. Uh, that is his mercy to us. Uh, and he is pleased with us and he loves us. And that is what motivates us and frees us to, to live for him and seek to please him. Imagine a, a, a dad uh, teaching his son uh, his favorite sport, maybe uh, let's say it's cricket, uh, or teaching his daughter that. Uh, and uh, he spends hours in the garden uh, teaching uh, this son to, to bat and to bowl and to maybe uh, fly spin and, and how to knock the ball for a six and play defensively. Uh, and he, he pours himself into it uh, because he loves his son. And the father uh, goes to watch his son play for his team. Uh, he already loves his son uh, fully and completely. Uh, and if his son is uh, struck out on the first ball in that game, it does not change his love for his son. Uh, in no way lessens it. Uh, and the son is sure of his father's love for him. Uh, he knows it, uh, whatever his performance. But that son 
uh, in that cricket game, uh, longs to hit the ball for a six, doesn't he? Uh, and to have a good innings. Uh, not for himself to gain his father's love. Uh, he's sure of that. Uh, but to please his father. Uh, if he isn't sure of his father's love, then his efforts will be for himself, uh, trying to win his father's love. But if he is sure of his father's love, and if he's, if he's aware of everything that his father has done for him, uh, then his efforts will be for his father uh, to please him. And when we have a, a good, right view of God's mercy, we can be sure of his love, and we have powerful assurance. And so we have the freedom and motivation to please him with our lives. So how do we joyfully offer ourselves fully to God this coming year? There is no greater incentive to live for God than to contemplate the great mercies and compassion of God each and every day. And we need to cultivate that. And we must remember that offering ourselves fully is the only rational response when we really have understood the gospel. And we must remember that our, our minds need renewing. Uh, we're not to conform to the world around us, but be transformed from the inside out by regularly fixing our eyes on Jesus and all he has done for us uh, and considering his will uh, in all the challenges and encouragements of this coming, or challenges and opportunities uh, of this coming year. As we meditate on Christ's gift to us at the cross and take it to heart, It'll motivate us uh, and draw us into deeper commitment like a magnet. That's what the great hymn writer Isaac Watts uh, meant when he wrote uh, these words. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Well, that's respond to this uh, great part of God's words uh, by singing uh, a prayer for this coming year. Let's use this next song as a, a prayer for this coming year. Let's get on our feet and sing.